Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. On behalf of Pastors David and Nicole Binion, thank you for joining us today at the Dwell Church Podcast. For more information about Dwell Church, visit us at dwell.church. Now, let's listen to today's message. Oh man, we have been in a beautiful relationship series. We kind of started in February and then we had some just revival Sundays and then Bishop Garlington was with us. And so last week was so powerful, was so powerful as we talked about how God takes the broken pieces of our lives and, um, and puts them back together into something more beautiful than we could ever imagine. And we had some blended families. The Vizes shared their testimony. The Collins shared their testimony. It was amazing. Um, I want to say, if you know someone who is walking through divorce, uh, loss in some way, it doesn't have to just be divorce, um, but if they are uh, needing healing, emotional healing, I would say, please, uh, you can, on our Dwell Church podcast, you can share that uh, with someone that needs to to hear what God has done in the lives um, of these folks and of course our YouTube channel as well but um, it was powerful it was powerful but today before we start today yeah I want to just tell you um, the last three nights I have dreamed all night long all night long about revival and each night has been a little different uh, the one significant night there was a, a young autistic man and he was holding two books in his arms and he had this pleasant, confident look on his face. And he was nonverbal, so he couldn't talk. But I just knew, you know how you just know? He's, his confidence was that revival is upon us. And I would see him everywhere. And at one point, someone was sick and somebody came and took a book, one of the books he was holding. I don't know the significance, but he took one of the books and gave it to this person and healing came. And, then I would see the young man at another place. And there was this one moment where the best way I can describe it, it was like um, there was this wall, like, like, like across the front of the church. There was this wall, except it was like of the best way I can describe it. It looked kind of like saran wrap, like clear, plastic. transparent plastic that you could see revival on the other side. It was so thin. And all we had to do is get near enough to make a tear in the wrap, in the plastic, whatever this, this thin veil was. And you could see it on the other side. It was clear as crystal, and it was revival, and it's upon us. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I would just want to declare to you that was a prophetic dream. And we are stepping into the promise of God, the plan of God, the purpose of God for this earth to see his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. So I just wanted to share that with you. It's not has anything to do with what we're going to share with, but I wanted to share. I didn't want to forget and pass. But I I feel like it does have to do with what we're talking about today because what revival also looks like healed in whole families. Yes, and, yes. Um, you know, our culture uh, right now, I was going to say is, and I'm going invite, to invite our elder Stephen Lisa Lyman up, two of the elders in the house. They're going to talk with us today. 
And, um, but, you know, I was saying uh, before service, I said, you know, I realize not everyone in the room is a parent. Maybe you're not a parent yet, or maybe you, you may never have children of your own. Um, yes, I'm going to sit right there by you. Um, but we are all impacted by, by how children are parented and raised in the role of the family, in, in the church, and in our culture. And so this conversation today um, is, is important to all of us. And, um, and I think you are who you are today yeah. because of how you were parented. And some of you have places in your heart that need to be healed because of the way you were parented. But God has this beautiful way to take all things and work it for our good. Yes. And, and, and to bring wholeness and to heal our hearts. And so, get ready. Y'all ready to do this? Yes. Here we go. Okay. Steve and Lisa Lyman. Woo! What do you always say, Lisa, when you're here on Wednesday, if I'm gone? What is the first thing you tell people? Hello, everyone, and welcome. And I am not Pastor David. That's <laughs> what so she says every worship and prayer as she handles. Um, if you don't know, um, Lisa is the head of our prayer team and our intercessors here. And Steve oversees our dwell team. Um, and, of course, they do many other things too, but that's kind of, um, big roles that they play here in the house. And, um, I'm so grateful. And I know we'll talk later at some point. This is kind of hard. Maybe we do need a little table here because I'm trying to hold a microphone and hold a laptop. Maybe just a little, um, that little table table right here. We'll do that. Um, but, uh, one thing I was thinking of last night as we were, and we got together the other night, we were talking and about all these things that we wanted to share today. Um, but I, I was thinking back to a conversation I had. Thank you so much. That's great. We'll do it right here. I'm good. You use that. Okay. Um, you want to share this? We could share it together and then you don't have to use that. I'm sorry, guys. We're just... Um, I wanted to say this. There are no perfect parents. <laughs> we, I had a conversation once with a friend, an incredible Christian woman and a teacher of the word, and she had five children. She was an amazing mom. She was like a homeschooler, and she was a really good homeschooler. You know, I was a homeschooler for a few years. I don't know how good of a homeschooler I was. <laughs> there are those parents who are amazing homeschoolers. Anyway, but she told me, she said, oh, I know my kids will, will be in therapy at some point when they're adults. She said it might be with their, you know, college roommate, it, it, you know, in the dorm at college, or it might be on a therapist's couch. But she's like, it's impossible for us to do everything right and to provide all that we need for our children. We, we uh, do our best, and that's why it's important to learn and grow and to learn more about how we can be better parents, um, but it's vital that we introduce them to King Jesus because he really is all that they need and he can go in and heal those broken places, right? But um, Do you think Cole will need therapy? I don't know if Cole needs therapy. I don't know. But He's Gracie, back in Dwell Kids today. Gracie is another story. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, but I just want to 
kind of give you guys the floor a little bit. We were talking the other night about you put together this beautiful information about the six P's of parenting. But here's, here's what I think is so amazing about you guys is that not only are you just solid, godly people and leaders, um, but I also think it's really cool that you actually have training and education in this area. If y'all don't know that Steve and Lisa are um, licensed counselors as well. <laughs> so, so um, oh, we have family photos. Okay. Okay. Uh, this is, I was, I, I'm glad, thank you. I, I almost forgot about that. Y'all, you want to introduce who this is on the, in this picture? So, um, on the left, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> and Lisa, and our daughter just got married in August. That's Taylor and her Woo! husband, Samuel. And then our son, Andrew, got married to his wife, Lily, um, two years ago. It'll be three years in May. And I just want to say the fact that none of them are here, you shouldn't read anything into that. Just, just <laughs> <laughs> when are they going to give you grandbabies? Well, we'll see. But I'm all in when they do. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I love it. Okay, and go ahead and show the other photo of our family. This is our family. For those of you, many of you know our family already, but... Um, Carson's, Carson's on the end there on the left, giving us a fun little side eye or something. Um, there's our daughter, Madison Grace, next to him, myself and David. And there's our son and daughter-in-law, Cole and Anna, and our sweet little grandson, their son, Harvey Jude. Uh, we became grandparents last year. So. And I'm praying for Gracie and Anna because of their tattoos. <laughs> the Lord's going to so work on them. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, I need therapy. <laughs> beautiful. Um, so I just want to say, like, we have, a, we have a lot of history, right, in parenting, and we have grown children, and now, you know, daughter-in-law and son-in-law and, and grandbabies on the way. And so, um, so we've learned a lot. Amen. Yeah. Um, I want to, I'll tell you about the six P's that she um, referenced do, here. So they, so she has this, the six P's of parenting. We left the seventh P and to how, David. How are they going to call something the six P's and not expect me to laugh right. about it? Right. <laughs> yeah. So go ahead. So we the left the seventh P's. one for you because, uh, <laughs> you know, we all know to anticipate at some point. I'm going to run. Right. <laughs> Parents can laugh at those things, right? And so we want to talk to you about the six P's of parenting. Why is that important? We are in a relationship series, and we want to tell parents that we know that this is spring break week, and we know you're going to need this by the end of this week. So we're going to give you some skill to survive spring break week. So the first um, P of parenting is prayer, and um, Pastor David's going to talk to us a little bit about that. We'll go through that really quickly. Yes. I'm, first, I want to uh, give if this scripture. Uh, it's not a real sermon if we don't have a scripture. We have lots of scriptures. We're going to put a couple on the screen. Ephesians, the sixth chapter, verses one through five. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline 
and instruction of the Lord. Amen. Yeah. Uh, the, this, we're going to dive into prayer. Prayer is essential. Prayer is a pillar in this house. You know that we believe in prayer. Yeah. Uh, my favorite things that we do, I, I love that we have, have had more prayer meetings in this house than we've had services. And I intend to keep it that way because the foundation of all that we do uh, is built on prayer, including how we parent. And uh, James said in the fifth chapter of James, the 16th verse, he wrote, The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. 1 John 5, 14, And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And finally, Romans 8, 26, in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. Mm. Amen. Amen. And so, you know, I could never talk too much about prayer, but I um, can tell you a little bit of my testimony and I'll go through it really quickly. But the P in prayer is the direction in that is that we as parents are responsible to pray over, contend for, and to deal with everything concerning our child and their life. And so whatever they're going through, we should be praying for them and covering that in prayer. If I could just give you a a really quick testimony of why that's important um, without telling too much of my children's business, but they're not here. So so I had this need to go to my son's room and pray um, every single day. And I would go up to his room and I would get some oil and I would cover his door and I would rebuke the devil and I would quote scriptures and I would lay my hands all over his room and I would leave in peace. And the next day I would go back and I did this for months and months and months. And I would be like, Lord, he, he was a teenager at the time, right? Right. And he was a teenager, but I felt this, I felt so impressed to go pray for him. When you saw him as a teenager, he looked like he had Peter in every single area of his life. And here I go every single day with this weight of going to pray for him. I mean, I'm talking serious prayer. I needed to repaint the doors after all of the oil I put over those doors, okay? If you all don't know about that, come see me. I'll tell you about that. There was so much oil all over that place that it had to be repainted because that's how hard I was contending and contending and contending. But when I looked at him, I was like, he's good. He's going to school. He has all A's. He's the head of this. He's the leader of that. He is the president of this. He loves God. And I thought his life was going so well and he was doing so well but here I go I would go and hit that bed and I would cry and I would pray and I would take this book and it's called the power of a praying parent this was the first book I found on how to pray for my kids and I would quote the scriptures and I would um, declare and um when he was asleep at night, I'd go in there about three or four o'clock and I'd take my olive oil and put a cross on his head and I would just, <laughs> he'd wake up with oil on him in the morning and I was contending. And when he came to the, sometime in his high school, um, 
year closer to his graduation, we found out that he had a major struggle that we couldn't see. And it was almost taking him under. Like his life was going to go bad. And I'm going to tell you why that's important in a moment. And so we um, got him connected in some really good ways. And he got connected to a church. And he went on a, a youth um, summer camp and he got baptized in the ocean. And before he got baptized, he confessed his sin and he released it and he got delivered from what his sin was that was going to take him down and take him out and take him under. And he got free. And not only did he get free, he heard the call to be a pastor. He heard the call to ministry. He heard the call to serve the Lord with his life. And I believe that if we hadn't prayed for him and there were some times where I would wake up in the middle of the night and I would go to his room and what was going on just kept getting exposed and exposed and exposed and it would stop him. And I'm going to tell you all this, parents, you listen to me. If you listen to the Holy Spirit, if you will respond, I don't care how ridiculous it feels. But there was one night where I went into my son's bathroom and I saw something and I took it to him and I said, this is what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And he said, yes. I said, if you do it, it's going to destroy your life. Mm -hmm. You're going to go a place that you will never recover from. And he repented and he went running to the Lord and dedicated his calling, his ministry, yeah, yeah. his abilities to God. And he started a um, six o'clock on Friday mornings. He started Bible study in his school. Him and another group started yeah. Bible study in his school. And they did it on Friday mornings at 6 a.m. And they got up and went. And it doesn't stop there. When they graduated, they used to have a service where you went to church. It was, what, is, what do you call that service? The Sunday before you graduate, there's a church service, like baccalaureate, vespers, or whatever that is. Yeah. They cut that out at, at his school. Everyone was really upset. He, he had a relationship with the pastor. He organized this service for his whole school at a local church and And all the teenagers went and they wanted to close the door to worshiping God before they graduated. He organized with a pastor that that um, process got moved to a local church and the school that year did not lose that process, but that they worshiped and honored God before they graduated. And so that is the importance of prayer for your children's lives. If we don't talk about anything else today, we can talk about the importance of prayer and the importance of sensing. Yes what God wants you to pray for and what God wants you to deal with and then to hold them accountable and to love them. And I think you probably could give us a couple testimonies about how you've done that also. Oh yeah. Well, I want to say, um, I, in prayer for our kids looks different in different seasons of life. We have some young families in here. We have families who have teenagers. Um, we have families who have young adults as well. And I mean, our parenting doesn't stop <laughs> once they even graduate college. I mean, you know, and so, um, but I, for us, I know when our kids were little, I'll say, you know, prayer, um, 
was always, we, at bedtime, we always had a beautiful time of prayer with them as we tucked them into bed. Talking to the Lord was the last thing we did before they went to sleep. And that was a habit, you know, that we built into our, to our family life. And coming to the house of the Lord, coming to the house of the Lord and making the house of God a priority. I know most of you, I think everyone here in this room, uh, you know, the house of God is a priority, but we know oftentimes as our kids get older and there's so many extracurricular things and it's sports and it's other, for our kids, it was, um, you know, music and acting or different, different things like that, writing. Um, but you, we, we must keep the house of God a priority or we will pay the price. Do you know the percentage of, um, I don't know the number, but I know it is so high that most teenagers, um, you know, when they graduate high school, when they go off to college, they leave faith because it has not been made real to them. And oftentimes the house of God and the body of Christ being a part of the church, you know, a lot of us, maybe we've experienced some church hurt, but the church is still the bride of Christ and we are called to be um, a member of the family of God and, and, and involved in the body of Christ. And so it's so important that we make that we keep that a priority and that to the best of our ability, our kids don't see one thing at church and something completely different at home. That we are um, not just hearers of the word, but we are doers. And that doesn't mean we're perfect and that we're getting it all right, but that we are in, on a journey um, to become more like Christ and to implement the word of God and what we are experiencing and hearing in the house of God into our homes and daily lives. We've got a couple of things. I, I want to tell this a cute little story of uh, Gracie was about six and Cole was nine. And uh, about once a month, they wanted to have uh, it, at bedtime, we had in our guest room over at our house in Flower Mound, uh, they wanted to have a special night that I would go lay in the bed with both of them in the middle. So, I'm in the guest room, so I'm squeezed in, and Cole is on my left, and Gracie is on my right. And they start talking to me about being filled with the Holy Spirit. They were hearing about it at church. And so Gracie starts this conversation, what, what does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? And and what is speaking in tongues? And so I do my best to explain it. And Cole is sitting there quietly. And she was like, well, can I do it right now? And I said, yes, just ask, uh, ask God to fill you with the Holy Spirit and, and just allow, allow him to come in. So there's this little pause, just a little whisper. <laughs> then all of a sudden she's going, and it stops and then Cole says I'm not ready for that <laughs> oh, man. So but it's just a beautiful experience training my kids about prayer and uh but then we've had extremes, and I'm going to throw to you for Yeah, so I'll talk through this briefly, but as you said, as they get older and as maybe they're dealing with things that we are not aware of, um, it's so important that we stay attuned to, um, to the Holy Spirit and we don't brush off 
what we might be sensing or feeling. Um, you know, it was about 2019, and I got permission from our daughter, Gracie, to share this. Um, she had gotten involved with a group of friends. She was, um, she was 18 at the time, so she had graduated high school, and um, she had gotten involved with a group of friends who um, seemed to be good people, good guys, good girls, you know, they'd come to the church. We had started, started dwell at that time. And we were meeting at a venue over in Fairview. And, um, she was, you know, singing on the worship team. She was a loving daughter. Um, and she loved God, but we be, we began to see things kind of shift in her, in her spirit, in her attitude, in some behaviors and, um, and we realized that it was connected to this relationship and one and, and a relationship in particular. She began to date one of the young men. Um, and there was just at a certain point one night they had um, been hanging out. They'd been out and they came back to the house and they were actually Gracie and her boyfriend were cooking something in our kitchen. We were all there and something happened. Something was said and the young man said something. And I'll just tell you, it wasn't even like something terrible that he said but it was the spirit with which he said it. And my antennas, like in the spirit, just went up. And it was actually that night that um, we began to intensely intercede um, for her. We just sensed there was a darkness, there was an oppression on this young man, and that the enemy was really trying to come in to... um, to thwart her purpose, you know, and we're going to get to purpose. And I know in just a second, cause I, that's a second P of parenting that we're talking about today. Um, but you know, our children were, were born to fulfill a purpose for which God created them. Right. And so we knew the call that was on our daughter's life. And, um, and so we saw that this was the enemy coming in to destroy her life. As you said, take, take her down a road that she would not recover from if, if um, God didn't intervene. And so... I went upstairs. Mm-hmm. I went upstairs. Everybody the, was asleep in the yes, house. I went upstairs in the dark with the oil, and I started praying over her door. And I would pray multiple times when she wasn't there. But I'm just like, I am, I'm in warfare. And I come downstairs to a lioness who went in her closet and prayed did, like I didn't know she was capable of praying. She suddenly became my mom. <laughs> it's praying like your mama? Yeah. I'll pass it back to you now. It was yeah, just, just really, inter- I, didn't, I don't think I really understood intercession um, until that night. And when you are um, really crying out and and contending for something in the spirit, um, and you don't feel a release, you know, um, and so, and I'll say during that season, it was about a year's time that this was a process, um, and you were a huge partner for me in intercession and prayer. Um, Vanessa Snitker was um, a big part of that as well, and just. I'll say it's important that we know who we can share things with and who can partner with us in intercession and believing for something in our family, in our kids. And um, 
you know, we had to take some pretty drastic measures during that time. And, you know, recently, actually during our time of fasting, just this past January, I was so moved one day. I just began to think about, I began to remember those days of contending and the enemy would come in and into my, and give me these thoughts of, even when, when they would like break up and we think it was over and then they'd kind of get back together. And it was like, even toward the very end of the relationship, the enemy would say, it's not over. They're gonna, you know, he's got his hook in her and, and she's going to end up marrying him and it's going to be destructive because it was a, an abusive relationship as well. Um, but as we just contended, so this past January, of course, the, the end of the story is that she has come through all of that. She is, you know, the relationship has been broken for about a year and a half now, but and she has given her full yes to the Lord and the growth in her spiritually has been uh, just so beautiful to watch. But I just began to thank the Lord, even just this past January, to rem- remembering, you know, God really does hear us when we pray. He really hears us. When we're contending, we're not just yelling at the ceiling. We're not just, you know, talking into the air. He hears us and he sees us. And he is a God who answers and who delivers. And it may be, you know, weeks before we see the answer. It might be years before we see the answer. It is so important that we do not give up. That we continue to contend and pray for our kids um, to see them, you know, walking walking with the Lord and, and walking into their purpose. It's, it's beautiful story, but we have, and there's more that we yeah. could tell, but we're never going to get through all these P's if yes, we don't stop. Yes, so yes. Lisa, take it. And I would just say again, an important part of our jobs as parents is to keep the details of our child's lives covered in prayer. Yeah. So their day-to-day lives, when they're going to volleyball practice, when they have yes. a tournament coming up, yes. when they have a test coming up, yes. when they have a dance coming up, when they're going to meet a new teacher, whatever transitions they have in their lives, yeah. it's our job to cover those in prayers. Just like we fix their lunch, we need to pray for them. Yeah, yeah. It's as important as, as feeding them. So good. So good. Okay. Okay, which brings us to our second P, <laughs> which is purpose. And um, we have a, a couple of scriptures for this. I love this. You found that the word purpose appears over 80 times in scripture. Um, so God had us in mind. Yes. When he created us and he has a plan for our lives. And... Um, Purpose is so important for our children, but it's so important for each one of us to figure out why we're here and what we're doing while while we're here. Focusing on what our individual role is, like what are my gifts, what are my talents, how do I walk that out in my life, it's very important for your child. We're talking about it here because it's very important for you to guide that. You don't want your child to end up in purpose that doesn't glorify God. So whatever their gifts and their talents are, as parents, it's our responsibility to recognize it, one, to help them articulate it, to help them develop it, and then deliver them over to that as they are adults. It's our, we are key. We don't send our kids over to say, figure out. 
go to school and figure it out. No, as parents, we are to partner with them in parent, in, in purpose. There was a book that came out a really long time ago now, and that is The Purpose Driven Life. Yeah. That was a really long time ago, yeah. uh, believe it or not. Um, feels like it was uh, recently, so that's aging us, right? <laughs> We've been around um, for a while. But it talked about five purposes that you were created um, by God to fulfill. There's a purpose. There's worship. There's unselfish fellowship, spiritual maturity, your ministry, and your mission. And so we as individuals, and you get to help your children navigate all of that. They're, they're called to worship. We know that, right? Yeah. God. We worship God. That's what we, we were created for. Yeah. But you have a, a purpose in the church. You have a purpose in the community. Yeah. You have a purpose in your, in your job using your gifts and your talents. And you have a calling and mission. Yeah. And so all of those places, you have to help your children begin to articulate what their purpose is. Yeah. Steve, you why don't you would, talk a minute? Yeah, yeah. I, would, I, would, I would say understanding the concept of purpose is fundamental to the rest of it. Because it's surprising... I think it's, when I first heard this, it was surprising to me to hear that how many times purpose shows up in scripture because before 1990, nobody talked about it. Wow, and in 1990, in 1990, there was, there was um, a man, Dr. Miles Monroe, some of you would know him, who began that. Now, you hear it all the time now, but he started in 1990. And I'm telling you, that was five years before, before our daughter was born, and it changed my life to understand, to sort of see what, what it did sort of just on the foundation. All my life, I think my personality was one where I just needed to know the why. I know there's a lot of you who understand that and get that and kind of come from that same sort of ilk, right? So, but for that to find a connection that there was a reason why I needed to know that, I hear this, this, this message on purpose that was three hours long, and I promise nobody left their seats. Nobody moved. I mean, it was that riveting uh, and, so, and so just revelational, right? Yeah. Uh, but that was five years before our daughter was born. So I was so grateful that I learned that before they were born. Uh, in fact, you know, I, I, I shared this from the time they were born. This was something that happened in our, in our family. We talked about purpose and what purpose meant and what purpose was and why purpose was important and to understand what it was and so on. It was so fun, fundamental that Jeremiah 29, 11 became yes. everybody's scripture, yes. go-to scripture, yes. favorite scripture, right? My daughter has Jeremiah 29, 11 tap, tattooed on her back. Oh, God. She has the word purpose. <laughs> she has the word purpose tattooed on her arm. My, my point is, my point is we, okay, I'll say it this way. Understanding the purpose of, you want to know the, the purpose for a thing? You don't ask the thing. You ask the manufacturer of the thing. The creator of the thing. That's the same for your children. You can't ask your children. I know it's popular now to let your children tell you who or what they are. But the reality is, that's not their job. We ask the creator. If we want to help our children find their purpose, we have to ask him what is their purpose. And then we help them find their purpose. Amen. I asked, I did sort of an unofficial poll. Um, <laughs> asking a few, well, I'll say young people um, at different stages of life, what they feel like their, the impact of their parenting, their parents' parenting style was on them. 
and, and of course, in my children's case, um, well, the one thing Taylor said, and we'll, we'll get to this a little bit uh, later, but her, her focus was on our creativity and flexibility and willingness to put in the work to yeah. be able to parent them according to their individual personalities right, right. and not think that there is only one way. And I'll right. tell you the truth. Lisa balanced me so much because I came from a family of origin where there really was just, you know, I came into this, this family thinking there was just one way to do stuff. And one of the first questions she asked me was why? And, and yeah. so that resonated I was like, with him. It well. did. It did. Absolutely did. And I'm yeah. like, that's a great question. So there was a lot of things that we do differently than either one of our our families of origin because we approached it that way. Yeah. Um, we there. Taylor, I'll tell you a quick story. Taylor was the strong-willed child, uh, and we were so glad we had her first because Andrew was easy by comparison, and she knows this already. So if she's watching. Sorry, but you already know. Um, <laughs> Oh, there she is. Beautiful. I love you, baby. When she was oh, three I years... I mean it about the tattoo. I'm... <laughs> when she was three years old, she didn't like to go to bed. Now, Andrew, I don't care, from, from day one at 8, eight o'clock or 8.30, he was like, good night, I'm gone. And he could go to bed. Taylor would have to fall out wherever she was because she just didn't want to go to bed. She had FOMO in the worst way. Um, and And so... I just, I can't necessarily take credit for this, but it just, uh, it came to me that she wanted to have control, and so I would give her control, or so she thought. I would tell her, you're going to bed. So I would state, here's the end result, you're going to bed. But you get to choose how you're going to get there. And so it was either I would carry her, or she would ride on my back, or I would ride on her back, if you can imagine that. (laughs) She got to choose. And we would get to the bed, and she would climb up in the bed, and she said, will you stay with me? And I would say, yes, I'll stay with you as long to whatever number. You give me a number, and I'll count to that number, and I'll stay here until we get to that number. And that was good with her. She got that. The only thing was Taylor couldn't count yet. And so she, whatever number she would say, I don't care if it was three or 300, it took me exactly the same amount of time to get to that number. And as soon as I said that number, she would say, good night, Daddy, I love you. <laughs> and We call him the weepy sleep. prophet. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't see that one coming. Uh, I guess I should have. Um, anyway, but she would turn over and she would go to sleep, and, and that's how it worked out. So... Yeah. For her, it was the purpose, the the impact that we had on her was that flexibility. Um, She remembers, in fact, going, driving to school every morning, and I would ask her. One of the the sort of routines we had was, what is your name and what does it mean? And she would tell me the meaning. In her case, it's consecrated to God who is my strength. So good. And and so we would, for both of them, we would go over what is your name and what does it mean because that really gave them a foundation of going into school and understanding what what their focus was. Because it didn't matter what their friends were doing. They knew where they came from and what their purpose was. Amen. I didn't didn't know you were such a softie. I thought you were hard-hearted. Yeah, that's... I play it off. Uh, so those are for, for well, you all for who Andrew, have toddlers. Just, yeah, I just want to say real quick for Andrew, his, what he sent to me, and I just, I mean, this blew me away when he said this. He said, I understand, he gave me a few things, but the one thing that he just, he focused on, he said, I understand purpose. I understand purpose and my purpose specifically through repetition. If language shapes who, how we think, then the language of purpose saturated our lives, so it became a central idea. 
can I interject a thought? We were in conversation on Friday about this, and uh, uh, you, you brought up the why, and, and it made me think of how many times I would be told to do something by my dad and or one of my brothers, and they would and my and they would question why do we have to do that, and the answer would be because I said yeah. right, <laughs> and uh, uh, I I you know I love my dad he's with Jesus. Uh, I love my mom, but I just want to suggest to you that your children are worthy of the why. I don't care how annoying it can be. Take the time and explain the why. Don't be. That's good. That's so good. Amen. You know, even understanding purpose made me understand why, how we got together. Because Lyman, in a loose translation, it's an old English word, but it means bridge over troubled water oh. right? <laughs> right yeah and so taylor she just texted me thank god for text she had to tell me i forgot part of her name <laughs> <laughs> helper of man consecrated to god who is my strength so good so so good let's keep moving yeah. into the third p okay which yes. is problem solving and coping skills yeah. You know, anxiety is the number one issue for children and teenagers today. We have a five-year-olds and seven-year-olds saying, I'm anxious or I feel stressed. We have teenagers who complain about anxiety. I bring that up because anxiety is worrying about something that hasn't happened. Fear is real. There are things we should be afraid of. Stress is real. We all have stress. I contend, and there's no data to support this, so don't Google it and don't uh, put anything on Facebook, okay? I contend that if you get a check for $5 million or you get a divorce, it's the exact same stress. One feels happy. And one doesn't. Yeah. But your body actually does the exact same thing. Wow. Your heart starts racing. Yeah. Your palms sweat. You faint. <laughs> like yeah. Some people would faint when they got $5 million, right? right? Like, stress is stress. How we deal with stress is what we have to teach our children. Yeah. And not just how we deal with stress, but how to effectively manage stress is what we have to teach our children that that's stress management we also have to teach our children how to solve problems we have to say in order to solve a problem this is what you have to do you can teach problem solving skills from a very early age and that's what you want to do with your children one of the first ways that we teach problem solving is we give them choices We only give them the number of choices that are appropriate for their age, and we let them make a decision. That is a problem-solving skill. And then we teach them, okay, make a choice. Let's talk about why you make a choice. Is this the best choice? Let's carry out the choice. 
And that Problem changes solving. from in different stages, right? Yeah. So as a toddler, you as the parents still control what they wear, but you can lay out two sets of clothes that you're okay with them wearing to school, and they get to choose which one. As they get older, you maybe take a half step or a step back, give them a little bit more responsibility, a little bit more choices, but you still are controlling the surrounding and the circumstances and helping them make those choices. You're never letting your kids figure it out on their own. So that's problem solving. Yeah. We all need good problem solving skills in our lives. Yes. We have to solve problems. We also need coping skills. Yeah. Most of the time, people are coping with their emotions, how they feel about their problems, <laughs> right? Yeah. And so we have to arm our kids with the ability to cope with the negative or strong emotions that impact them. There are lots of ways to cope with emotions. The first thing is to deal with the actual feeling that goes along with that. When we are mad, there is, there is something that happens to our body. And, and if you don't know how to deal with mad, which is anger, yeah. then you might punch somebody. Right. Is that a good coping skill? But it is a coping skill. Let's not say it's not, right? But it's not the coping skill that we want our children to use. So what do children replace punching with? Now, I say that because two-year-olds punch and one-year-olds punch and they bite. And we don't view it as that. But they're building coping skills. If every time someone tries to take your little one's toy, they hit them over the head with it, we've got to replace that. We've got to teach them what to do. They're developmentally growing in that. But yeah. we've got to help them at those points say, okay, when somebody tries to take my stuff, I get angry and I hit. So we try to, we do things like proximity is everything. Right, right. We give them other things. We teach them to share. Those are all the skills that we need uh, to deal with. But I want to go back to anxiety because anxiety is a big issue. What is anxiety? Essentially, being anxious is worrying about something that hasn't happened that we anticipate is yeah. going to happen. Yeah. It may happen. It may not happen. The pandemic has thrown us into concern that is legitimate because we have been locked up in homes together worrying about what's going to happen uh, when it comes to if I get this, right? Yeah. So it like taught us this pattern of if I get this, if I get this, let me be worried about this. Yeah. And so we have to teach our kids that there is this anxiety going on and anxiety is this, it's worry that hasn't happened. Yeah. And then we give them skills to deal with when something does happen. Yeah. That's what we have to arm our children with now. So good. What are some healthy coping skills? Uh, can you just list like maybe three of them that we can, maybe as our kids are a little older, maybe they're, um, you know, middle school, high school. What are some good coping skills? You know, the first thing that I would say um, is a, a, I want to speak to, to, to mamas, first of all. One of the things that you can do to take care of yourself, if you are stressed, if you have incredible, incredible pressures Sleep is good for women. It makes recovery come for us. And the way that we were created, if we can just get some of that, we can be refreshed enough to reengage and to get back in yeah. and, and, and take care of people. And so I'm not saying that everybody can just go take a nap. No. 
I know your realities, right? They were my realities too. But sleeping is important for women. Go Google it and see what it does for you, okay? It's good for women to take naps and to get some sleep in very stressful times. It really helps us. Coping skills are... There's so many things that we do already that are good coping skills. I like to say for children, exercise can be a good coping skill. Um, When I work with people um, that handle crisis, it's one of the things I do when they talk to someone who... um, say wants to harm themselves and they go through this whole cycle and they get the person out of it what I tell them to do after they finish that call I say stand up go walk walk around your house walk around the building walk I say take yourself and let's do some context switching so that you separate yourself so far from that that it doesn't dominate you anymore and you get room to think differently for a moment, then you can come back and engage. So one of a a major easy thing is to go do something else for a minute. Have your child, have your teenager, go do something else for a minute. If you are arguing with your teenager, stop and look them in the eye and say, I want you to go and play Nintendo for 15 minutes right now. Okay, wait, what's the game? I want you to go play Xbox for 15 minutes right now. (laughs) How wonderful would that be? Right, right. Because they go and they refocus and you get a minute to breathe and then you can come back together and you can solve what's really going on. So good, so good. That could, that's like a redirection, right? Also, Mm -hmm. yeah, we learned that a lot with therapy, with, um, Let me interject. Philippians 4, 6 says, Do do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, and with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And I like this, Proverbs 12 and 25. Anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, but a good word makes him glad. So good. Write that one down. That's a good one for anxiety. Arm your children with the word. That's a scripture they can take a picture of in their phone and refer back to it whenever they're feeling anxious. So good. Let's move to uh, number four, punishment or consequence. Yeah. It has a bad connotation, but punishment has a P in it, so we had to use it. So. <laughs> <laughs> Discipline could be another word, right? Right. right? Correct. Whipping. Yeah. <laughs> Let's... Um, I, I love that, this. That so survey of course, I did had a couple of people say, "What do you remember about your your childhood? Uh, uh, how to take a whooping?" That was the thing that they heard. <laughs> <laughs> we know Proverbs twenty two verse uh, six says, "Train up a child in the way he, he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it." Um, Hebrews twelve ten says, "For they disciplined us for a short time, as seemed best to them, but He disciplines us for our good, so that we may share." His holiness. Um, I'm going to just say something right there because we already referenced our daughter and um, she was our strong-willed one. And I remember reading all the strong-willed, Dr. James Dobson, the strong-willed child book. Um, and I was always in the front forefront of my mind to not, um, not to crush her spirit and who she was because I knew that strength is a great thing when it's when it's um, shepherded <laughs> in the right direction. Um, but uh, so so let's talk about. 
punishment. I love what you said the other day about the scripture. You know, people, especially old school parenting, it was like spare, spare the, the rod, rod spoil, spoil the, the child. child. That's actually not the scripture. That's that's a phrase that we've created. It, there is the, about sparing the rod, but then um, right. But the scripture does talk about don't spare the rod. Talk it does. Talk you know, about what that early means. Early on in, in in our family, it was after we had kids, but I don't know how far into it. I just had this epiphany that historically in the Bible, the shepherd didn't use the rod or the staff to beat the sheep. He used the rod and the shaft to staff to guide them, to protect them, to rescue them, to save them. Right? Never once did he. In fact, what happens when you beat the sheep with a rod? They become fearful and they won't listen to the voice. And they have to listen to their, their shepherd's voice in order to follow. That's a challenge, right? Um, and I love that. I, and I, we were talking about it and I said, actually, sh- um, sheep are too valuable to beat. <laughs> Right. Like to take the stick, you could injure them and you could hurt them. And how does that profit them or you really? And so um, that is something that um, is a growing um, for us. What do we want our children to get out of correction? Do we want them to stop the behavior and, and replace it with another behavior? Or do we just want them to stop the behavior? Wow. Right. And, you know, you this, this can come across as we're telling you don't spank. We're not necessarily saying that. What we're saying is be open to options. Right. Is spa- know the why. Know the right. why behind what you're doing. Right. Is spanking the best approach in this scenario? Right. And I'm telling you in most scenarios it's not because it ends there and it doesn't really start anything there. So, now, would I rather spank my child from running in the street than have them be killed by a car? 100%. But the point is know the why yeah. behind the what. And I feel like we really have to talk about, let's talk about discipline for another um, moment. I've learned a lot of things about discipline, and I've taught a lot of people about this. And I have had to apologize to my children uh, many times from parenting out of what I saw yeah. um, my parents do. And they yeah. um, were not uh, the best ways. I'm going to tell you all a funny story. I had this um, aunt aunt from California that I didn't know very well and I didn't tell you all this and she came to visit and all of us were at the house like all of my cousins we were this house full of kids having fun and she got upset with us and so she was going to discipline us by spanking us and she said to us all of these little children that are in this house happy she said go get a switch so that I can spank you So she sent all of us outside to get a stick switch. If you don't know what that is culturally, it's a stick that you use to spank a branch off a tree. So she sent us all outside to go get a branch off the tree so that she could spank us. Insane. And so we all went outside and everybody got a a branch off the ground except me. I refused. I was like, I'm not playing that game. And I was so (laughs) little. I was five. But I was so indignant about the thought of you making me go outside and get a stick so that you can hit me to correct me. Wow. And 
I refused. My five little old self, I said, I'm not going to be a part of that. I refuse to do it. You are I can go- just see it. I can imagine <laughs> I you. Was, I, I was looking at my big cousins thinking, y'all are really picking up sticks. Really? Y'all, y'all taking sticks back to the house? So we go back in the house, and they all bring their sticks, and she lines us up, and she takes the stick, and she taps them. like She doesn't even discipline them correctly. And she gets to me, and I... Look at her, and she was really tall in this really deep voice. And I look at my Goliath, and she looks at me, <laughs> and she just picks me up in her arms, and she loves me. And she says, um, I'm sorry. Like, clearly, I was terrified, wow. but I wasn't getting this. Listen, don't ask your children to do ridiculous things. <laughs> I'm just going to be honest with you. Question, don't ask your children questions you know the answer to. Where were you? Don't ask them that. Did you do this? Don't ask them that. Wow. You are opening the door for lying. Whoa. Don't let your children lie at your hands. Tell them what you know. Okay? And then correct their behavior. Don't do unloving, ridiculous discipline. Discipline. The goal is to support to correct and to teach the behavior you want and slapping them on the head and those kind of things doesn't teach it. It just doesn't teach it. Really what you have to do is say, that behavior is unacceptable. This is the behavior that's acceptable in my house. If you don't do that behavior, then this is what's going to happen to you. Right. That is discipline. Yeah, one of the other people I talked to, one of the other kids that I talked to, said that that was one of the things that they remember and had an impact on them from their parents, that they, they, the way they corrected them, they actually explained to them why the behavior was wrong and what behavior would be better, which goes to exactly what you were saying, so that yeah. they, that had a distinct impact on... So in fact, good. he told me that now, he's in college, and he told me that now he uses some of those same... Well, he's not, he's not married, doesn't have kids yet, but he does work with kids, and he uses some of those same principles to, to speak to those kids. So he took, he's taking that into the next generation. And let me just say, if you go to an employment office, you work somewhere every day, do you want to be disciplined that way? Right. right? Like if you're not doing something correctly, do you want the discipline to be you're fired without any explanation, without any process, without any opportunity? <clears throat> No, you don't. You want someone to say, this is what you're doing. This is how we do it. Let's get you there. Let's give you opportunity. That's the whole, that's the whole role of correction and discipline. So good. Is anybody, I feel like I'm kind of set free in a little bit. That's good. This is so great. This is renewing of the mind kind of stuff, guys. This is so good. Okay. We're going to have a color purple line. Of course you do. (laughs) You told Hoppo to beat me. <laughs> Do I say the rest? All my life I had to fight. I'll stop. I'll yeah. Stop. Okay. It was learned behavior. It was like. Right. They were. And honestly, uneducated, right? Right. right. When you know better, you do better. And, That's um, not un- unlike what we learn in the church. There are revelations that came about Jesus that that. 50, 60, yes. 80 years ago, yes. they, we did, they didn't know. Yeah. So they pre- So if you're still in, you stand in your pulpit preaching the same thing that was preached 80 years ago, there's an issue right. because you need a new revelation. Yes. So good. Okay, number five. 
Proximity. The fifth P is proximity, which I think connects so well to uh, what to we just came out of because right. we want to build relationship right. with Absolutely them. We right. want to stay close. Proximity meaning um, connection to family. Relationship is important. Um, keep your kids close. Yeah, yeah, if you want to have your kids close the rest of their lives, you better keep them close when they're young and start building that relationship because that's exact. And, you know, I thought about that. That's exactly why we're including a parenting piece to the relationship series yeah. because it, parenting is about b- developing relationships with your kids. Yeah. Tell the story about the woman that you uh, take at the mall takes her kids you I think you asked how yeah so I when when my children were babies I saw this and they looked like they were doing well and I thought I used that pastor Tanner method like if you see something someone doing it right let's connect and let's go to them and find out how they did it and so I went up to and I said how do you do how are you doing this like your kids want to be with you they want to be around you what are you doing and she said keep them close. I said, well, how do you keep them close? Like, what does that mean? That they just always stay next to me? She said, no. She said, you go to their games. She said, you go to the school. She said, you bring them where you are. She said, the relationship is all about the family being engaged. And I uh, think that the, I just, I, every time I talk to the whites, I always tell them, I love what you're doing in your family and how much you all love each other and how much you love to be around each other. Well, your kids won't like you if you don't like them. And your relationship with your kids is a relationship. Can can I get an amen? So good. Amen. How do you enter relationship with your kids? You tell them that you like them. First of all, I see him back there. Got his hands up. When one of the things the Lord told me to do with my kids, and I I say the Lord and for you all listening, this is what I sensed. They had to be the apple of my eye. So when they walked into a room and still to this day, I look at them and I greet them in a way that they know that they are absolutely adored in love. And I don't care where I am or who I'm in front of. If my children walk in the room, y'all already know what I'm going to do. I'm going to stop and I'm going to go and I'm going to grab them and hug them as tight and as close as I can to let them know that I absolutely adore them. Why Why do I do that? I didn't know that before, but I read a scripture and it And and God said, Jesus is my beloved son who I am well pleased. So Taylor is my beloved daughter who I am well pleased. And if your kids can know that by your actions, you will see it impact them. And they frankly will want to be around you. Can you be the best, coolest mom or dad that you can possibly be, young people, (laughs) young parents? You should know what they're watching and be engaged yeah. with them. I went out to, um, to lunch with um, Anna the other day, and I learned about this show that comes on. What is the name of that, Anna? Gracie's, Gracie's Corner. Corner. It is the best thing. I just love it. <laughs> but, like, she knows what would minister and is tapped in and has the most current, effective thing for her son and so we as parents have got to get on that we've got to stay in front of that 
I am going to tell you all this little secret. They know the words to all the songs. That's right. Cole you should know the Indiana. words to the songs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. You should know all the words to the songs. Yeah. You should dress like your kids to some extent. You should know what they're wearing. I'm serious. I want a pair of Jordans so bad. But I think I'm too old to wear them. What do y'all think? I just think mm, I'm trying totally too hard. Off. You know, proximity in families goes further than that. We had a very intent, you know, that's the one thing I want to say. If there's nothing else I want to say, you have to do this stuff intentionally. Yes. You have to be very intentional about what you decide to do. Yes. If you want the outcome you're, you've dreamed of, you better be very intentional. Yeah. The one thing that we very intentionally did was that we created an environment where our kids understood their importance to each other yeah. as well as to the family. Yeah. Right? So we were team. We would tell them, you, uh, she would tell Andrew, you are here to, to protect and support Taylor. And Taylor, you are here to support your brother. And against the world, you are Team Lyman. And they remain close to this day. And, so and it's, it's been such an yeah. incredible experience to have that kind of closeness. I want to say that I think um, the times when, um, sadly, things kind of got in. You know, the enemy, the scripture says, is a roaring lion, right? He's, he's try, seeking whom he may devour. He is looking for an entry point. <laughs> so you said something the other night. You said we must guard their gates, we must guard our children's gates. But I can think back to times I, I, when we moved into the home we're in now, and it's a, it was a larger home than we had had before. And everybody kind of had their own corner. You know, it was like everybody would go. We, I loved my alone time in my room. <laughs> Carson loves his alone time. But our daughter might be up there in her room. Cole, you know, kind of doing video games or whatever. But everybody, but I'll, I'll say that's when some of these things that impacted our ki- you know our kids negatively happened when they were everyone you know i just wanted quiet so and i you know so she's up there doing her thing he's and so it's important it's it's inconvenient A lot of the time we want to just drop them off at the mall and go do the thing that we want to do. We wanted to go have our quiet time, read the book that we want to read and not go engage and say up to the room and say, Hey, what are you doing? What do you, you know, and engaging and connecting. Um, but it is so important that we stay connected. We're going to keep moving. Nothing wrong with that though, because privacy is a part of your life and and having your alone time. That's a part of development. Right. But I'm going to say something a little controversial. I used to tell my kids, that's not your room. That's my room. And I'm just letting you stay there. Right? So ha- telling your kid See, that their room is their privacy and you, and you don't have any right to walk in there, you better, it was the same, I'm paying for your phone so I can look in it yes. anytime I want to. Yes. Right. So this is what I tell you all. Devise a plan for, for your, your kids. We had a rule in our house. Nobody's phone went to their bedroom. The phones at night sat in a central location and you went to your bedroom. And the phone did not go. Bad things happen (laughs) if you let those phones go to that bedroom. That's not the only thing. They could be reading their Bible app or they could be doing something else. And so you've got to set up boundaries. And then you need to tell them why. You don't take your phone to your room because of this. That's parenting for teenagers. Our kids will can't parent themselves. We've got to do it. We've got to tap in and do it. Yep. Yeah, and I, I wish we had had 
uh, rules sooner. I would say parents of young children, because I know our kids, you know, our grandson, you know, he's on the phone watching, you know, you try to entertain them at a restaurant or whatever, right? They're using our devices. But I would say, man, I wish we had had a stronger plan in place sooner. It's, it's easier to give something than to take it away, wow. right? So establishing a plan early on is vital. Okay, we're at number six. Yes. Here we are. Persistence. Another word for that is consistency, right? Yes. right? Um, Galatians chapter six, verse nine says, and let us not grow weary of doing good for in due season we will reap. Yeah. And so- we don't give up. So we want to encourage you, wherever you are in your parenting journey, if your children are six months or if they're 17, it's not too late in any area that you need to address. Get a plan. And implement it and put it in place because we, when we know better, we do better. You should be apologizing to your kids and explaining to them why you're doing what you're doing. And this is the other thing that I want to say before we go. You can require respect from your children. You can tell them you don't talk like that, but you can't tell them they can't do this without replacement. So when my son, and I'll give you a, um, an, uh, a dramatic mama moment, yeah. <laughs> it, was, it felt disrespectful for me for my son to stomp up the stairs angry when I told him to do something. That felt disrespectful to me. So I would say, you can't stomp up the stairs when you're angry at me to go to your room. I would say, as he would start that, I would say, Andrew, you better tell your feet to walk quietly up the steps. And he would say, yes, ma'am. And one time I heard him say, feet, be quiet. <laughs> That's when he was a little boy. But you can take, you can teach your kids in all kind of creative ways. I used to tell him, I would be like, Andrew, tell your praisers that they can't hit people. Those were his hands. These were his praisers. And so for, uh, for, for those little kids, we can teach them how to... Um, Respect us and to behave. This is the last thing I want you all to um, remember. I used to tell Andrew when he got upset, I would be like, fix your face. And my mother used to say that to me. And I would be like, what? What does that mean? And so I would say, fix your face that you are not poking out your lips or frowning. Control your face because when you control this part, then it'll get to your heart and you'll be able to control that. So either way you do it, like behavior to cognitive, cognitive to behavior, either way. With children, if you can make them change their actions, then they'll change their minds. And so that's one of the reasons you do stuff. I'm like, hands are not for hitting. This is what you can do with your hands. Like we have got to be creative and energetic and teach our kids what they need in order to um, be kingdom citizens opposed to the culture if if you are if you have all that when they've been used to doing it a certain way it has to start with it she said develop a plan bring everybody together come up with an idea a, a reason why this needs to happen, why these changes are important. Get their buy-in on it. I can remember, and, and I'll be honest with you, I've had this same experience with adults that I've supervised in the business world. If I can explain to them what is getting ready to happen, sort of prepare them for a change, 
they manage it way better than if I just spring it on them. My son was like that his entire life. He did not handle change well unless I was able. And this was another, I think, just something that I think the Holy Spirit gave me because it wasn't necessarily my, but we can't always plan, right? But to the degree that we can, helping helping them, your children, especially as they're older, understand why this needs to change and why it's important is going to really increase your ability uh, to to get their buy-in and spending time with them and praying with them is a huge part of that. Let's stand up. Why don't you all stand up to your feet? We're going to end a little differently today, I guess. I know for me in raising our kids, um, for us, we were talking last night. I said, what was your first thoughts like, or what were your thoughts about when we had kids in parenting? Like for me, it was like, I want them to know they're loved and I want them to choose Jesus. I want them to choose, display a relationship with Jesus that makes them say, I want to know Jesus. I want to live for Jesus. And ultimately, even in discipline, when it was times when, you know, um, we wanted our, our, our kids to submit, obey, is that ultimately one day, we want you to, to obey the voice of the Lord, to submit yeah, to his yeah. voice. And so as parents, that's what we're shaping. That's what we, right? Um, and so we want to pray for parents today. Maybe you want to say yes. anything. Yes. Father, we, we just, we're just going to pray. Lord, we uh, glean yeah, 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 from yeah. all of this information that we're hearing. God, we want to be better. We want to do better. We want to think better. And uh, we lean on you to show us the way, Lord, to help us remember when we find ourselves in a situation where we're about to lose our temper with the child, that we can take those thoughts into captivity and remember, or at least it's said, go outside for 15 minutes or go do this, that we will remember to not blow up and demonstrate anger and, and, and show our children how to function in a spirit of anger. But God, help us to uh, just uh, be led by your spirit. Let us uh, find the answers in the word of God. We've shared several scriptures today, God. Uh, I pray that you will help us to remember there is always a scripture for every circumstance that we can use for what we're going through that will empower us that will equip us that'll be our weapon and uh god help us to uh to demonstrate but help us to guard help us to influence our kids that we don't just try to be their friends but that we can help shape them and show them the way into the kingdom. Show them how to love Jesus. Show them how to trust in Jesus. Show them where the answers come from. And so we declare a blessing on every parent in the room, every future parent. You may not even be married yet. We declare that wisdom and revelation comes to you, that you see this. Maybe you just have a newborn, Anna. Maybe maybe your, 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 your little one is just still at a place that, that you haven't even... Uh, have had to face some of these things but let our conversations today even bring wisdom as we plan for the future 
of, of the children that we have in our lives that we're blessed with. Children are a blessing. They're a heritage. And so, Father, we just, uh, we pray for all of our families at Dwell Church that you would help us grow and stretch and expand and see your purpose and your will in our lives. It's all of this is connected. All of this is connected. In order to really walk out revival, there must be revival in our homes. So help us to see it. Help us to do it. Help us to walk it out. In the name of Jesus, we pray. I just want to read this scripture before we go today. And a a prayer team, if there's any elders available or prayer team um, available to come forward and be ready. If you're in the room and you just want, you need someone to, maybe you're facing something with an adult child, a teenager. Maybe you're a young parent and and you want someone to pray with you and believe with you um, for wisdom and revelation or maybe a certain um, situation you're facing with your child today. Um, We want to pray with you and and believe God with you. Um, I want to read Psalm 127 verses 3 and 5. Children are a heritage from the Lord. Offspring, a reward from Him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Blessed is the man and woman whose quiver is full of them. And so we just want to say in a culture and an age where uh, that says children are inconvenient, babies are inconvenient. um, We say children are a heritage from the Lord. They are a blessing. And we will seek the Lord and how to raise them. We won't be conformed to this world, but we will be transformed by the renewing of our minds so that we may prove uh, what the will of, what the good and perfect will of God is for our kids. And so if you're here with us today for the first time, we're so glad you joined us. Our team would love to meet you at our welcome table. We have a gift for you. Um, We will be here at 6 a.m. in the morning for Monday morning prayer, Wednesday night at 7 p.m., Friday at noon. Let's declare this blessing together as we go. Surely goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our lives, and we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. God bless you. Thank you for joining us today at the Dwell Church Podcast. For more information about Dwell Church, visit us at dwell.church.